What's good, babies? It's best friend in a handbag time. So pop me out of your handbag and actually sit me on your dining room table because I'm really hungry. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a story. I don't think that I've said it before. I've told you a lot of my stories, but again, my 20s were so raggedy that I have stories for years. Um, I literally could die and come back and have more stories. But anyway, so this particular story I want to tell you guys is really ridiculous. I um, used to roll with these group of girls, and the way we got connected was all strange uh, when I think about it, because... Um, I knew two of the girls from a, when I used to go live at Job Corps, I actually enrolled myself the best decision I ever made. So if you are in between your life right now, you don't know where to go and you are within the age limit, Job Corps, as far as I'm concerned, was an excellent program because I learned how to type there. So nobody's giving me any kind of money for, for this. I went to Woodland Job Corps Center. I'm really speaking um, from the heart because it impacted my life greatly. But anyway, two of the girls, I believe, came from there. And now that I think about it, when I tell this story, maybe you may vote against going. Anyway, stay on track, Toy. So I go, I met two of them there, and then two of the girls I knew from when I was in foster care. So it was about four or five of us. And uh, we used to, you know, hang out and do things that girls do, young girls do. I, w- I had to be about 22 or something like that, a little maybe 23 around that time. And we used to love going to the skating rink, and that was our pastime. And we thought we were cute. Our butts were in place, no cellulite. This is before, you know, you was getting the butt shots and the butt pads. Literally, you got your ass either because your mama had it and or all of the walking you did. So... I believe it was a combination for both for me. But we had our asses, you know, and we thought we were cute. Um, And we would go to the skating ring and have a good time. But this one particular night, one of the girls I was rolling with um, said that one of the girls that was at the skating rink was jealous of her and threw her skate. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't recall seeing this, but it's widely whispered that a white skate with a pink pom-pom came flying across the skating rink. Again, I don't know. But I'd already chose my set, and I decided to roll with it, okay? So we're looking for these girls, can't find these girls. So now we're back at my apartment. I'm in my young, in my 20s, early 20s. I got my apartment. I'm really feeling myself. And some kind of way, one of the girls that we were rolling with said, hey, I found out who threw the skate. So I'm like, somebody threw the skate, you know who it is? And she's all, yeah, I know who it is, what we going to do about it? So I'm like, well, we got to do something about it. Truthfully, now in my 40s, it sounds so ridiculous, but I really felt it in my heart, even though, again, I did not see the skate come flying across the room. Anyway, so we found out that the girls were going to be at the skating rink. And I don't know if you guys are from D.C., but I'm from Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. is where I was born, and Baltimore is is where my heart got pumped with the love of writing, but D.C. is where I was born. So if you're from D.C., I don't know if you guys remember Trina Boo and Maddie, but apparently they were supposed to be involved, right, which was fascinating because these girls were legends 
in their own right. So why would they throw a skate at my little old crew who was just an up-and-coming bunch of big-butt girls, you know, with no direction? Again, I didn't see the skate, but she said it came. So we go to the skating rink, um, and we're, at this point, like three cars deep. We have a girl... We've involved now more people are involved. So now it's not just three or four of us that were at the skating ring, but it's a bunch of us, you know, that are there too. My friend Tish and, you know, Nina. It was a whole bunch of us. And we're ready to go fight these girls. But somebody in my small group of three, four girls told that we were going to be coming. And when we got to the skating rink, they were looking for us. So we see all of these cars like circling us, like mad cars circling us. And it was just mad crazy. So I'm like, oh, my God, what is getting ready to happen? They about to probably shoot us because these girls, you know, rode a different kind of way. You know, for the most part, most of us had, you know, our mother, at least in the house, who had tried to instill some common sense in us. But these girls are from the streets. Um they was about that life, and we was about to get killed. So we end up leaving, but now we're mad. Now, this time frame was around the time where the song Gorillas in the Mist was out, and I was a big Ice Cube fan to the point where, literally, y'all, I really reached for his penis uh, when he was on the stage one night in Washington, D.C., giving a show. He said, don't do that. Don't grab it. Don't do that. But by that time, I'd already had it in my hand, and I was almost kicked out. But anyway... Uh, that song, Gorillas in the Mist, was out, you know, with Ice Cube and the Lynch Mob. And we're playing this song, and we're pumping ourselves up. So we decided that somebody got to pay. So we go down to where, um, in Washington, D.C., where it was this uh, mental health home. I can't remember uh, the name of it. It's not, I don't even think it's there anymore. But we go down there, ended up down there from some, I don't even know how we ended up down there, smoking weed. Uh, drinking, uh, Cisco, we end up down there. So we see these girls who give feel like we feel like they're giving us a side eye. We jump out, fight these girls for no reason. It was just all foolishness, right? Um, and I almost got my head rocked by a baseball bat, but my friend Tish had actually saved my life because, again, I honestly believe God has something for me to do. And I have a feeling it has a lot to do with this podcast and some other things that I don't know about that he has in store for me. But she pretty much saved my dumbass life. So, um, but we weren't going to get off that easy. The police came, locked us up. Um, I was in a jail cell um, overnight. Nobody was going to come get me at this time. I had gotten on my mother's nerves so much that when she got the call, before she even knew who it was, she just said, keep her. You know, I'm not being bothered with her. Just keep her ass there. So we had to stay overnight in jail. My, some of my other friends, you know, their mothers and them came down and got them. You know, they was like, you know, let's get them out of jail or whatever. So, but me and my friend Tish had to stay in jail. And I was on my period, y'all. So it was really terrible. I mean, imagine being over 24 hours, you know, on your period. We walking through the jail cell and they act like we in the feds, but we weren't the way these girls, these women were acting like, oh, my God, I'm going to get that one. I'm going to get this one. Horrified us. So we stay overnight because my mother wouldn't come get me, me and my friend, Mind you, I'm in my 20s, so get your own self out. But me and my friend had to walk all the way from the jail cell home because we had no money and we're on our periods. So it was a very fishy situation. So 
we get home and I found out that the actual my actual roommate was the one who told these girls that we were going to be coming for them. And that's how they knew we were there. Anyway, I ended up having to go to court and all of this. And I remember at this point we had given fake names. And I remember um, when I'm in front of the judge to find out about what my bail is going to be, the judge didn't give my fake name. So I'm about to say something. And the judge is like, I mean, and my lawyer is like, or my public defender rather, is like, shut up, don't don't say anything, sit down somewhere. And again, I had been given a break. Because they hadn't said my name, all of my charges were dismissed. You know, um, my friend uh, and all of them, they mentioned their names. They had to go through some community service type situations, but pretty much they went on with their lives. But I never forgot that because it was so ridiculous. And I knew the damage it would have done if my life would have continued down that road. And it makes me think about the culture that we're in right now. It makes me think about what a lot of us represent. And I'm speaking about the cancel culture, but not even just the cancel culture. I'm talking about the guilt culture. And throughout our lives, for some reason, we believe that those who do wrong need to be guilted or need to be ousted, need to be forgotten about, you know? And, I, and I'm telling you that story because what about the redemption team? What about those people who are supposed to come and say, you know what, you did such and such when you were younger. Um, you was a whore. You, was, you sold drugs. Um, you may have been a wife beater. You may not have been the best father. You may not have been the best mother. But you deserve a second chance. This is why I firmly believe that when it comes to guilt, you have to do the work on your own. You have to say to yourself, you know what? Yes, I'm trash. You know, yes, yes, I'm a whore, was a whore. But at this point right here and right now, I'm willing to change my life. I'm willing to be the other version of myself that I can be. I mean, seriously. No, I made a few more mistakes after that. But what if I had just been canceled out? What if nobody believed in me? I wouldn't be a writer. I wouldn't have, you know, built careers of people who are now, you know, my students in my class. I wouldn't be talking to you guys. I wouldn't have my fan base. I, I wouldn't be doing a lot of things. And I had to do the work on my own because, like I said, the redemption team doesn't come. The forgiveness team doesn't come, you know. And it's sad, but you really have to start thinking like that. You really have to say to yourself, okay, where I am right now, I made some mistakes. You know, I made some mistakes, but am I going to live my life based on my mistakes? Am I going to live my life based on the things that I did in the past when I wasn't smart enough? Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And I firmly believe that, you know, the things that we did when we were younger or when we weren't wise enough, it's some old folks doing a lot of dumb shit out here right now. I mean, you just look at the Internet and it's all around. Do we guilt them forever? Because at its core, the cancel culture is about the guilt culture. And 
And, and at the same time, people love a comeback story. But in the comeback story, there's never a team of people who come back and say, we forgive you. Now, sometimes you'll have that one person at your side to say, you know what? I don't care what you went through. But they never get the credit. They like the unsung heroes. So shout out to all the people who put up with our stupid asses, you know, from the gate. You know, I got somebody like that upstairs. So bless her heart. But shout out to all the people who put up with our stupid asses and say, you know what? Where you are doesn't matter. I know who you are. I know who you are at your core. And I'm here for you. This is what I'm saying to you. Best friend, I believe in you. And I believe in you because I came from a place of feeling so much guilt about who I was as a person. And a lot of times it doesn't even have to do with what you did, you know, whether it be criminal in my case or foolishness in my case. It could just be who you are born to be, you know. Um, when I was first came out, you know, saying, all right, I'm, I can I'll date who I, who I love, you know, whether it be a female or male. I had guilt about that. And there were those around me who felt like they wanted to guilt me into being what they wanted me to be, you know, and I wouldn't accept that. But in the beginning, I did. But, you know, and, and, and it brought with me a lot of pain. Imagine if I said, you know, I'm not going to write, you know, my books because I don't want to, you know, folks to think that I'm, you know, trying to push it that. Look, we have no time for that, best friend. You know, so whether you did something criminal, foolish, um, or did something out of anger or whether it's something based on who you love um, or, or who you are as a person, get rid of that guilt and move forward. Because let me tell you something, best friend, we need the misfits. We need the black sheep. We need the forgotten, the written off. Because it's through you that people will see, wow, if God rose him or her up, what can he do for me? You know, it's easy for people to say, okay, when I see this person over here and they have a, a mother and father and they have the money, oh, I can see how they rise. But the forgotten, the misfits, the black sheep, the written off, the thugs, the prostitutes, the whores who come out of, uh, of, of that dirt and that grime and say, I'm still here. Those are the people who people remember. And those are the people who are the biggest inspirators, people who inspire. Those are the people who we need right now. I have to say something on the other side. And this is going to be hard. You're going to also have to watch your judgment. And, and I'm saying that to, to myself too, because here's where being a judgy bitch comes in or being a judgy nigga come in at. When you judge too much, when we judge at all, rather, you put your, you're putting somebody else in the position of guilty or innocent. And because even though you, that person may appear to be guilty or innocent, because you're still judging unconsciously, you are also still judging yourself, too. I want you to think about that, because when you judge, there can be no other way of saying, OK, this person did this and this person did that. So they're either good or bad. So in your core, you know, well, damn, I did this and did that. Maybe I'm good or bad. 
And so then you're going back to that place of guilt, which we're trying to get rid of. You're going to have to watch it, you know, because I believe at people's core, they are good people. It doesn't mean that you got to have everybody around you. You know, it doesn't mean that you got to give everybody a chance from where you are right now. But you're going to have to watch your own personal judgment habits. And it's hard. But the moment you get rid of that judgy, that need to be judgy about everything, the more peaceful you are because you're not hurting anybody. You're not putting more karma on yourself. Best friend, it's your time to let it go. And I'm really talking to you right now. You know, my legs are swinging on your dining room table, but I, and I hope you don't, you know, uh, don't mind me, my butt being on your table, but I'm really talking to you right now. Okay. I'm really talking to you right now because we need you out here. We need people who have a story. This is why I always talk about those who need to step up and write their books. You know, folks want to hear about the diamond and the rough stories. Don't let your past be your shame. Wear it as a badge. You know, when somebody in the, in the war or in the military, you know, goes, goes to war and they get injured, you know, they get all kind of purple hearts and everything and everybody exalt them and they hold them in the air like Simba's. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but what I'm saying is your past is your armor, especially if, or your badges, especially if you've overcome it. You know, wear it proudly. Tell your story. Look, I've gone through so much shit. What I want to do, I don't want to die with all this foolishness. I want folks, I want everybody to know all the foolishness that I did so that I can say, look, I did it. You don't need to do it. Don't go down that road. Go the other road because it's not a good way to go. And we want your story, but you have to let the guilt go. And I'm going to be talking about this a lot more because guilt to me is the reason for all of our ailments. Because when you have a lot of guilt, I believe that it calcifies calcifies itself in the body in forms of tumors, in the forms of cysts. It could be migraines. You can have aches, pains all over your body because that's what guilt does. It has to materialize in some form inside of your body. And God wants you to let that go. You know, at your core, you are a good person. Think of yourself as a baby. When you were a baby, you were a good person and you still are now. You just got to release that baggage. You have to make a firm decision to be the different version of yourself that you want to be. And you have to step into that. Okay. So I just wanted to say that. And I did not see the skate come across the room. I swear I didn't, you know, but I had to go with the squad and I had chose and apparently I chose wrong and I almost had my life taken away. You know, haters going to hate and say that I saw it. I didn't. Okay. All right, baby. So um, I love you guys. Stay up. Uh, all, if you know somebody else who needs to hear my story, please tell them about my podcast. Um, I'm being called to do this work by God. I feel it in my soul and I'm going to do it. And I just want you guys to know that I'm here for you. Let me get back to writing. Talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) 